Welcome from the banks of the Rappahannock River on the campus of St. Margaret's School in Tappahannock, Virginia. I'm Kendall Quinn, and this is the Daily Thistle for Wednesday, April 12, 2023. We welcome you back from our Easter break as we return to our spring semester. prayers Reverend Johnson finished at our final service at St. John's Church on Easter Sunday. We will hear from a Reverend Johnson in an interview I had with her in today's episode. So do you mind explaining your role here at St. Margaret's? Uh, Well, uh, I'm the chaplain and in fact I was just in uh, a Zoom call with many of the church school chaplains, St. Christopher's, Christ Church, Uh, and um, we've come to the conclusion that we all do different things that, that you know I said well what exactly is a chaplain I have my own uh, understanding and my own interpretation of the concept um, my whole life I have been in uh, a school setting uh, I don't know if you know I was a college professor for mm-hmm. 18 years before I went to seminary And when I went to seminary, uh, I went with the idea of being a chaplain Mm -hmm. to make use of my gifts and talents and what my academic preparation was. My PhD is in education. Um, But a chaplain is uh, kind of a, a person who has to be whatever people need you to be. Mm-hmm. Of course, I do uh, chapel services. You, you um, oversee the, the religious life of the community, uh, but you're also part of the spiritual life. Um, you know, religion is church and church ritual. Spiritual is uh, a little harder to define, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's your relationship with something um, far greater than you. Uh, and um, it, it's a case of uh, sometimes somebody has had an emotional upsetment, there's been a death, there's uh, been a disagreement between right. two people, uh, and they call the chaplain in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they need uh, an ethical approach <laughs> to something, they'll call the chaplain in uh-huh. to, to just put um, that ethical eye on things. And so you're there to support the community, the students, the faculty, uh, and the staff in whatever shape or form. Mm-hmm. When I first got here, way, way back when, my first time around, 
Um, we had a number of faculty who lost uh, parents or loved ones. Mm -hmm. And I did a grief support group for wow. those seven women. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, so you do whatever you think you need to do, but also what other people uh, think you need to do and think you have the skills maybe you can help with. Okay. And how did you come to St. Margaret's and like what was your first impression on the sisterhood? Well, I, you know, in fact, I talked about my first impression in my sermon mm -hmm. on Monday. Um, I went to, I was on the faculty at the University of Richmond. Um, I received a call from God, so to speak, mm -hmm. and I went to seminary in New York City. And seminary is three years. Um, and you typically return to the the diocese or the portion of the church that you've come from. Okay. And I'm from the Diocese of Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, which covers all of this. It covers from the uh, north side of the James River all the way up to Winchester, all the way up to the, the border at D.C. Oh, wow. It is a huge diocese. Yeah. And so uh, at the end of your seminary time, it's time to look for a job. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like any other academic experience. Uh, and um, I knew I wanted school chaplaincy. And um, Mrs. Broad, who was the head of St. Margaret's at the time, mm -hmm. uh, the diocese knew they were looking for a chaplain. The people in the diocese knew that I was looking for a chaplaincy right. job. And so um, they gave me her name. She called me up. We talked. Mm -hmm. uh, and I came down for my interview. And uh, I met with, I was here for two days. I met with uh, a number of uh, the teachers. I met with the students who worked in the chapel. Mm -hmm. I met with the administration. Right. Um, and then I, I had to head up to Northern Virginia for my final meeting about whether I was going to be ordained or not. Oh, okay. um, but like I said on Monday, when I drove into the driveway, it just felt right. Oh. And I am a big, uh, person in terms of how something feels right. is just as important as what I know cognitively. Mm -hmm. When I first appeared, I never saw UVA before I went. Mm -hmm. And when I, we drove past the rotunda, I said, God, this is, this is where I belong. And do you find it easier to be teaching or having a sermon in front of all girls? Like, does that affect you in any way? It, it doesn't, you know, because it's interesting. In my previous job, mm -hmm. I was the director of academic advising for the student-athletes oh. at the University of Richmond. Uh -huh. So 90% of what I did was with males. Mm -hmm. And so when I came here, um, you know, I knew it intuitively, but females are very, very, very <laughs> different than males. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, it uh, it helps to know who you are preaching to. Right. It helps to know a little bit about the community or the congregation. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, preaching to uh, a single gender uh, allows me to target my sermons in a way that I couldn't do if it was co-ed. For Got instance, it. the last few sermons were about 
the women at the foot of the cross right, and the empowerment right. of those women. Uh, I probably would have preached that, uh, but a little differently had it been uh, had it been co-ed. Okay. The age also has something right. to do with it. I, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but uh, I know that not everybody sitting there believes right. what I believe. Right. Uh, and I always try to preach my religious or spiritual point of view, mm -hmm. but I always try to connect it to the secular world, right. the non-religious world, for those students <clears throat> in there who, I don't buy this stuff, right, and, right. and I, I don't have to listen to her. Mm -hmm. And I hope there's some nugget or kernel of something I've said that, that touches, right. touches their lives, whatever that might mm -hmm. be. And when you like come in every Monday and Friday morning, do you have like a specific goal in mind, like something you want to take away? You know, when I Episcopal priests are trained to write out a text mm -hmm. and to read it, oh. and I did that my first four years, mm -hmm. and then one weekend I was cabinet member on call. In other words, I carried the phone. Right. And it kept ringing, and I wound up in the ER with a student till 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my gosh. On a Saturday night. And I had a service the next day. And Saturday was typically the day I wrote my Sunday service. Right. And I never got to write it down. I mean, uh. I'd done all the research, and it was up here, but I never fleshed it out right. on paper. And so I went to my parish, and I preached. I didn't go in the pulpit. I stood down eye level with mm -hmm. them, and I talked like I do now. And and after church, walking out, one woman said, "And you never go back in that <laughs> pulpit again. That's where we want you." Yeah. And so I set out that year at St. Margaret's to not have a text mm -hmm. and to stand up. And it looks like I'm making it up on the spot. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> yeah. I am uh, someone with a strong academic background. For instance, a Sunday morning sermon, I have 150 index cards, though right. no one sees an index card. One of my parishioners once saw me throw in the stack in the recycling and said, what's that? I said, oh, that was this morning's sermon. But you never take them out. I said, no, I don't take them out. I said, but I've done the research right. all week. I've written the uh, index cards out of read and reread and shuffled and reshuffled <laughs> and it's like I write a 15 page paper every week because wow. that's how I wrote my papers right. that same exact way and then I stand up and people say well just the way you can talk off the top of your head and, and I laugh and I say you know I really don't yeah. it, it's I make it look that way and I don't know why I feel driven to make it look that way <laughs> Um, but when I go in, uh, I usually have either something that's happened in the community mm -hmm. uh, to address or something that's happened in the world right. that has to be addressed, right. um, or there's something in the text that just speaks to that population of teenagers right. who are sitting there looking at me. Got it. And do you have a favorite memory here at St. Margaret's? You know, it. my first time here, I was here for eight years. Wow. Um, and I taught religion. I taught three mm -hmm. religion classes. 
uh, and I was chaplain, and we had chapel three times mm -hmm. a week then. Uh, and, you know, I, I had some wonderful advisees. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, in fact, was Lindsay Beasley. Mm -hmm. And I called Lindsay the other night to tell her personally that I was Aww. leaving. I officiated at Lindsay's wedding in May in North Carolina. Oh, wow. And I think it in, instead of you know, memories, uh, I think it's more about the people yeah. I met here. Uh, Mrs. Dickinson. Right. Mrs. Dickinson and I have been friends from the day I stepped foot on, on this campus. Mm -hmm. uh, and good, strong relationships. Right. Um, the people in the dining hall. You know, right. I did Judy Preston, I did her funeral. Uh, in Alta Vista, mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've, I'm alone. I don't have a spouse. I mm -hmm. don't have children, and so many of the people in this community mm -hmm. um, have become my family substitute, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So it's the people, actually. And I just have one more question: If you could give one piece of advice to a St. Margaret's girl, what would you say? Oh, let's see. <laughs> You know, it's, it's going to sound odd. You would think I would say, well, go to church, you right. know, pray more. <laughs> um, but it's about cultivating real relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is made possible because of technology. Right. But I think technology is getting in our way mm -hmm. of interacting personally. Uh, with each other. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I wanted to tell people personally that I was leaving uh, as opposed to shooting them an, an email, email yeah. that that was important that I look at as many people as I could uh, that were important to me and that I was mm -hmm. telling them what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think we've come to depend so much on technology that we've forgotten is a person on the other end of that instrument. Yeah. Uh, and to take time to get to know people, to get to know your teachers, mm -hmm. take time to think about what it is that I, I want to do. Do I want to go to college? Do I not want to go to college? Mm -hmm. Do I want to marry? Do I not want to marry? That there are lots of choices and we make those not by researching or technology, we make those by interacting with people mm -hmm. and letting them help form us who we are. And we're in formation till the day we die. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for taking well, this Well, Kendall, time. I appreciate I really this. This is my next to last day uh -huh. um, in, uh, in my position here. And so uh, it's a, a fitting... Uh, uh, cherry on the sun yeah that's right <laughs> all right will you be blessed on the river today the sun will rise at 6 37 a.m and set at 7 40 p.m it will be a waning gibbous moon with a 62 percent illumination high tide will be at 6 48 a.m and low tide at 205 p.m high tides returns at 7 14 p.m it will be sunny today with a high near 82 degrees winds will be from the west from 7 to 10 miles per hour and news from the BBC. BBC News with Neil Nunes. The British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has greeted President Biden in Northern Ireland. 
where they'll mark the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday peace deal, which ended decades of conflict. Later on Wednesday, Mr. Biden, who is partly of Irish descent, will travel to Dublin. A global study has forecast that a boom in renewable energy is likely to cause a fall this year in climate warming emissions caused by electricity production. It says wind and solar power are now generating about 12% of the world's electricity. A big search is underway in Ecuador for gunmen who killed nine people in a port city near the Colombian border. The authorities say the indiscriminate attack is thought to be linked to rival gangs who had been extorting money from fishermen. The United States, Panama and Colombia have announced an emergency two-month operation to tackle illegal migration through the Darien Gap, the mountainous jungle area links South and North America. The International Monetary Fund has warned that global growth is expected to slow to levels not seen since the 1990s, but the IMF's latest report says a worldwide recession is not likely. The Pentagon says it's taking the leak of classified U.S. documents extremely seriously. Many of them relate to the war in Ukraine. A lawyer for the imprisoned Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny says his client has dramatically lost weight in solitary confinement. The lawyer demanded that medical examinations be carried out to diagnose what he said was a stomach complaint. And a pair of trainers worn by the basketball star Michael Jordan has sold for more than $2 million at auction. He wore the sneakers when he won his sixth and final NBA title in 1998. They were originally given to a ball boy after the game. Remember, you're listening to the nation's only independent school news feed from the banks of the Rappahannock River, here from the campus of St. Margaret's School in Tappahannock, Virginia. I am Kendall Quinn, and this was your Daily Thistle. As we grow in age, may we grow in grace. We have just received the body of Christ, and now let us go and be the body of Christ. We go forth to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Goodbye, farewell. Thanks, Amen. Candy. Thanks.